and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is David Hockney, and I am the host for this week's episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, where today, me and my panel will be discussing the longest reigning, defending, undisputed Universal Champion, the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar! Now there is a storm over Glasgow today. Some might exacerbate that it's an F5, but to us it's just a regular day in Scotland. So without any further ado, let's take a trip to Suplex City and meet the panel. Starting off, making his epic return after being away for so long, he's just come in here, taken the ESSR Championship, and has made the Nathan Fisher Award obsolete. It's the fury of Fife himself, Nathan Fisher. Nathan, welcome back. Thank you, good to be back. Here. I picked a better week to come back to think. Uh, I mean, Quacky, give me your fingers up. How does it feel to be the champ? It feels good. Like After coming say, second so many times. I know, I know. I mean, I've been sitting at home for the past few months listening to the podcast, listening to pretty much everyone slagging me for coming second. <laughs> I mean, I come back as champion. Just to make a quick point, I know the spare, tin, the spare change the tin holder sitting in the corner there. If he cashes in tonight and wins whatever happens, then the spectre of second place is now gone. Whatever. Yeah. You deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. Well, it's good to have you back, Nathan. Um, up next, following his controversial pipe bomb from two weeks ago, I'm surprised he hasn't been beaten, conquered, or victimised yet. It's the bark gun of the McLeod household. It's Scott. You call that an introduction, Dave. Let me give you an introduction. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am Scott <laughs> and I am here as the advocate of the advocate of the new reigning Defending, undisputed, ESSR champion, never again to be second fiddle. Number one in my heart, number one in your hearts, Roscoe's champion, the fury of faith, Nathan Fisher. Come on. Woo! I'm the only one who stood up and got applauded when he came in. That is an introduction. Yeah, very smooth. Very smooth, yeah. Okay, right. Moving on, we'll deal with you, Roscoe Pricks, later. Hashtag historic. Yeah. Alright, and to his right, it's the man who took four attempts over three and a half years to beat Lesnar, but he finally did it at the end of last month. It is the Scottish Big Dog! It's Alan McLucas. Alan, how are you? Got that intro? Yeah? Just shut up. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm good, mate. Uh, are you, Alan? You're, you've hit the big 3-0 since, uh, since you've last been on, yeah, I believe. Yeah, thanks for telling everyone that. Yeah, yeah. cheers, I'm an old yeah, you got your new shoes as well, at least, so that's always a plus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, good to have you on, Alan. Thank you. And finally, based on last week's trainee show, if he went to wrestling school, he'd most likely end up in a pile of blood, piss and vomit. He's the president of the Becky Lynch fan club. It's Stephen Wilson. How are you? The one true champ was crowned. And who was that? Nathan Fisher. Well, nice. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Very good, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have never put you in charge of a podcast again. <laughs> what? Just because I actually took the effort to create a, a decent intro for once? For once, yeah. Uh, okay. It was passable at best. Right. Yeah, well, we uh, see the, the bushes going by. <laughs> well, and we couldn't have our tremendous show without our extraordinary MVEP. He's a man whose cable package has been dubbed as the next big thing. And also, 
He is now the focal point for potentially the first ever historic Quacku on a pole match. Quacku, how are you? I see you're in a bit of a film mood. Um, no, what gave you that impression? You basically flipped Nathan the Birds throughout that entire intro. But, uh, it, it's just an actual thing with when I detect bullshit, I just, oh, there, go, there goes the clean button. Yeah. I'll say no. Get that explicit button up. But anyway, guys, uh, welcome to the show. And if you're just tuning in, make sure you're subscribed to all good podcasting sites, uh, including iTunes, Android podcasting sites, and Spotify. Uh, just search for us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, where we have a massive back catalogue. Quacko, how big is the, the back catalogue again? It's as big. Yeah, it is big. The next big thing? Thank yeah. you. We're also on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow us at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a review, preferably four or five stars. And if you're in Japan, give it seven stars. Break the Meltzer system. All right, guys, shall we uh, kick off with uh, our Brock Lesnar discussion? Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do it. So... Brock Lesnar, Brock Edward Lesnar, I should say, that's his full name. He was born in Webster, South Dakota on July 12, 1977, uh, where he began his amateur wrestling career in college or university. He started out at the University of, of uh, Bismarck before moving to the University of Minnesota, where he became an NCAA champion. And that was his first sort of major accomplishments. Nathan, uh, you, out of all of us here, have had the most wrestling training experience. What did you make of uh, Brock's amateur run in college and university? Oh, uh, you say wrestling experience, but very minimal. Uh, three <laughs> weeks. Um, it's more than any of us. I mean, was he not? It's like some record he had. The, how much it was not? I mean, your stats, Gab. I don't know if you've. Was it like eighty-eight? No, something like that. Yeah, one hundred and six uh, and five. Six five. Jeez. Yeah, better than I thought. I mean, that was over four years of uh, college. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a record like that, destined for the big time, I think. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Like you said, NCAA champion as well. Doesn't get any better than that in the amateur ranks. Mm-hmm. Scott. Yeah, we've seen in the past they can get a very when you have as good an amateur background as Lesnar had, it can kind of go either way for you because like it likes a him and Angle succeeded with their likes of their amateur backgrounds. Not so much for the likes of Jack Swagger. <laughs> so much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, phenomenal <laughs> amateur background. You know, you see that with other wrestlers like well, said Angle, but also with likes of Ziggler. Yeah. You know, it shows oh, a longevity yeah. in the business having that behind them. Yes, absolutely. Wasn't it quite? Was it him and Shelton Benjamin? Were they not in the same? Yes. Same yep. yeah, yeah. university, to the same college. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were roommates as well. I think Benjamin was his uh, assistant coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up the All American title because that actually is a thing. The NCAA All American Championships. He won that twice in uh, in the late '90s. So, but just to go through some of the other championships, is one of his amateur careers. The 2000 NCAA Division One Heavyweight Champion, two-time NCAA All-American, two-time N- Junior CAA All-American, and two-time Big Ten Conference Champion, and of course, like I said, the 106 and five overall record over four years of college. So, well done, Brock. He's yep. still one of them, son. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, after that, he um he got signed to OVW as part of WWE's developmental brand. And he had a couple of dark matches before uh, debuting on the main roster. But, um, Stephen, do you remember Brock's initial debut in 2002? Oh, poor Spike Dudley. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Oh, was it, uh, it's hard to remember a more devastating debut at the time hmm. than Lesnar coming in. It was, um, I believe it was a triple threat match for Al Snow, Maven and Spike yeah, Dudley, I'm sure. For the, I think it was for the hardcore title as well. So it was 24 7, so I think people initially thought. Maybe it should come for the hardcore title, you never know, but... But it was a spe- it was, even then, he was a specimen. You, you just seen oh, him and you were like, oh, this guy, this guy looks like the real deal, you know, and obviously 
Poor Spike. <laughs> uh, Nathan, obviously, Lesnar's initial run was very, very impactful, especially in his first full year. Mm. Do you think that was the most impactful run of any WWE superstar in recent memory? Yes, certainly do. I mean, the first calendar year, obviously, Davies, after many 18, has clean wins over Flair, Hogan, wins King of the Ring, beats The Rock for the title, beats Undertaker, um, wins Royal Rumble, main events mania, all in the space of a year. I mean, I don't think anyone else has uh, had a, a debut year. You talk about strapping the rock to somebody, this is the very definition of really getting behind somebody and I think it's, I think it was a good thing because at the time they really needed to build some new guys because this is when you had the new OVW class of Cena and Orton all making their debut. It took longer for them but with the rock becoming part time, Austin going away, you needed to really build new stars and you could see the company were clearly had a lot invested in Brock from the outset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, not gonna lie, as you all know, I am not a big Brock Lesnar fan. <laughs> yeah, I was I gonna say, I'm surprised you not ranting yet. Him. The worst kept secret ever. Yes, I know, but yeah, his original run, he was, he was actually very entertaining to watch. Mm. I liked the original Brock Lesnar, not now. What was but, your favourite moment of his initial run? It's gonna be a match at Mania or Angle. Oh yeah, and his. Uh, WrestleMania 19. Mm-hmm. That was the greatest botch of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean the fact that the guy's still alive after that, landing in his neck like that. Uh, like, Apparently it was because he had so much muscle deficit in his neck because he was so oh, well built. Mm. If he'd have been a bit skinny or lost a couple of pounds of muscle, he could possibly have yeah. died. Apparently. Mm. I'm actually glad you brought up the um, the shooting star botch actually mm-hmm. because before he joined the main roster, he obviously did a couple of dark matches yeah. for Raw in 2001. And there is actually video footage of him successfully performing the Shooting Star Press. Oh, he had done it a number of times before that. That's a, I think that's the only yeah, reason you would actually go for a move like that. If yeah, it's not a signature move up as in OVW as well, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see in Shelton where I tied him yeah. the Minnesota re- wrestling crew or wrecking crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was um, yeah three-time OVW Southern Tag Champion with Shelton Benjamin in OVW. And just to continue that point, I'm also there's a shock factor, like... That move itself is a shock factor. The yeah. guy, mm. fact, the guy's at that size. He was what, three hundred pounds at that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking twenty-two stone. Doing that, imagine being underneath that. No, Spike Dudley. You know, <laughs> <laughs> imagine being underneath that. No, twenty-two stone is flipping the air about to hit you. Yeah, like uh, like Vader back in the day. His whole he was three hundred pounds. We could do him insult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's a it's freakish athleticism. That was the thing about his initial run. He had the power. He had the athleticism. He was just. You compare the, the the start differences between that two year run and when he came back. It's just it was completely different. You kind of it was a bit more all. You showed him a bit more all round ability when he was first there, and I think mm. uh, that's what helped get him over. To, as Nathan said, to have so much achievements in his first year. Mm. Yeah. So um, obviously he had a very well rounded move set, but predominantly and obviously because he's a big guy, he was much more suited to a power and ground based game. But he also had the technical background from his amateur college days. But do you think? Um, if he incorporated more high fly moves, do you think he would probably be dubbed as, uh, you know, the, the absolute perfect all round package? You know, if he could do more moves like a cruiserweight, you know, do the shooting star press more often. Do you think he would be more eye catching than he already was at the time, Nathan? I think so. Yeah, def- well, definitely. I mean, like Alan said, a guy that sized and shooting star press, obviously, not a pretty big deal. Um, but I would have been pretty scared to watch him do it all the time, <laughs> given mm. the mistake he made at Mania in hindsight. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I think he was already so much done all around. I don't think he needed to do that much of the high flying. Like, if he had just like kept, if he practiced enough, because I think the main problem was he hadn't done it in so long, and that's why that was probably the reason why he messed up so bad. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if he just like had kept practicing it and only pulled out for like special occasions for like something like Mania, it makes it more special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, his first mm-hmm. big big win on the main roster was obviously at King of the Ring 2002 where he defeated Bubba Ray Dudley Booker T Test and then Rob Van Dam in the final uh, to, to earn a championship match against the Rock at SummerSlam um, but before he did that he actually had an intercontinental championship match with Rob Van Dam where he, he lost by DQ he hadn't lost a match one on one by pinfall or submission up to that point uh, even after he won the WWE championship do you think that all this happening at once was too much too soon uh, with with basically what was a rookie superstar, Scott? Not really, because usually I would say I, but like I said earlier, they had they needed to make new stars. So it was a new, almost a new generation kind of, but and they needed new guys. So and you need a new monster heel at the top for other guys coming up to chase. And I think Brock was just that guy. And even though he was kind of a rookie, uh, talking wise, that's why they put him with Heyman, and that's why they stuck with him for all these years because they worked so well together. So. Mm. I think it was kind of lightning in a bottle in this situation. I think that was uh, that was shown when he's uh, when he came back. Yeah. Because he had that month, that first month, and he was doing his own promo, wasn't he? Just yeah, didn't look yeah, terrible. Terrible, yeah. So mm-hmm. having him on a match made in heaven, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. So you think he would have been as successful with without Paul Heyman, or do you think he would have suffered? Probably would have suffered a bit because eventually they would want to talk. He's not the most eloquent of speakers. Mm. Especially a squeaky voice. <laughs> he sounds like Kermit the Frog a bit. Doesn't he really he? does. A man that's actually talking like, you know, the big bo- the big man out of uh, Trinidad Island. Like, See when yeah. <laughs> that's who he should be talking. Not. I'm going to me. Oh hey there! I'm going to leave John Cena in a pile of blood, vomit, and urine. Seems as uh, in UFC he's doing the trash talking stuff. Though he is like quite entertaining speaker, mm. but obviously he can't get away with like swearing and stuff in WWE. So. Yeah, I think it's good to have him in his in, in WWE nowadays, but oh, yeah, especially, in the, yeah. the Attitude Era, obviously, they were a bit... Well, he wasn't around the Attitude The Ruthless Aggression Era, mm-hmm. they had a bit more flexibility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, his first official televised match was against uh, Jeff Hardy, Backlash 2002, and then he defeated Matt the next night on Raw. And I think... Um, do you think that was the most dominating performance of any sort of wrestling debut of anybody? Probably. Poor Hardys, they went from TLC to being fed to Brock. Mm-hmm. Brilliant line from JR in that match. Paul Heyman is a hemorrhoid on the butt of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously off from the get-go, he was pushed to be the next... Obviously he was dubbed as the next yeah. big thing. He was going to be... He was clearly in line for a future WWE Championship shot, but in between he also had other championship opportunities, like he faced... Rob Van Dam for the Intercontinental Championship, but he lost that by DQ. Um, and he, but he was also in Stephanie McMahon's SmackDown Tag Team Tournament in 2002 when they just introduced the new SmackDown Tag Team Championships. He was partnered with Tajiri. <laughs> Can you imagine Brock Lesnar as ever being a mid-card champion or a tag team champion, or was he always meant for the main championships? Uh, Alan, I'll start with you. Yeah, I can. I think he should have started at mid, mid-card. I feel his push was too quick, I think. WWE had about an extra six months they could have developed him and maybe put, put him forward for not the rest of the main event but the one after he could have done it um, so I feel he would have been a solid mid-carder 
get his game going, get his reputation going, and then maybe start to push around about the year mark. So I think I felt it came too quickly for him. Mm. No, I thought he was all. You probably could have seen him maybe getting some run with it, but he he just steamrolled everything. You could tell from the minute he came in, they wanted him to do something big. I think the best example was on the SmackDown against Hogan, uh, where essentially he made Hogan pass out on the bear hug. No. And I think from that moment, look, if Hogan's going to put you over on SmackDown, mm. you're destined for big things. Yeah, I agree with, yeah. Completely with that, yeah. <laughs> Hogan doesn't put anybody on no. yeah. <laughs> this just goes to show how much management and Vince were invested in him yeah. because he had I think he had arguably you know he was the most well sculpted superstar if, basically if there was a mould for a prototype superstar in Vince McMahon's head I think Brock Lesnar fits the bill perfectly because mm. he could do anything and everything except maybe cut a promo <laughs> so that's why they gave him a manager as well so I think him and the Paul Heyman combo definitely were a force to be reckoned with and um, um I'm kind of uh, annoyed that Ross isn't here because I was going to really milk the fact that uh, Brock wins his first WWE Championship at SummerSlam 2002 by beating The Rock. That's plenty. <laughs> yeah, you've got... Let me go on. He's, he, he, Ross McLeod's not the only Rock mark here, you know. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. Ross McLeod's the second Rock mark. I'm the original. Okay. I'm the top one. Okay, so, Alan, how did you feel when uh, Brock beat The Rock? Disgusted. <laughs> Horrified. I cried that night. Do you think he was getting the, the gender Mahal treatment getting pushed too too much too soon? I do. I know everyone here doesn't really think that, but I, I did. I thought it was too quick. Um, are, you compa- are you comparing Brock to gender? I like this. Let's but, continue with this. They were supposed Brock, to Brock, gender, the two jobbers of WWE. It was rumoured that they were going to face it last year's Survivor Series, right, remember? Yeah, yeah and Brock pulled, refused. Funnily enough, they oh, pulled... Oh, it could have been. Yeah, luckily they pulled it last minute. Gender could have been thrown about that ring for three minutes. I actually probably would have enjoyed that more than Brock AJ. Yeah, poor AJ. He didn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but one sort of key match that came up in his initial run as well, he defended the championship against Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell, probably one of the bloodiest Hell yeah. in a Cell matches oh, yeah. we've ever seen. Uh, what did you guys make of the match in general, Nathan? I thought it was really good. Um, they just said, like, really violent. Uh, lots of blood. Uh, <laughs> you want in a Hell in a Cell match, really. <laughs> uh, the use of Heyman as well was brilliant. Uh, Undertaker, like, he grabs him by the tie, he smashes him at the cell wall. Uh, just really good match, yeah. Um, obviously, we'll come to later on and have another Heaven in a Cell match, but I thought the original was uh, probably the better of the two, I thought, yeah. Yeah, because it's weird. Like, this week at uh, Hell in a Cell, they had the 39th and 40th Hell in a Cell, so I think it's because they've so many. They've had so many that this one's kind of become lost in the shuffle, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's a shame because it's a really good... Mm-hmm. Top, yeah. top five of all yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. definitely bloody because apparently... Taker, I think, cut himself a bit too deep yeah. when he bladed. Mm. And just to go back to FYL, the fact that he beat The Rock and immediately went into this feud with Taker, like you say, it was too much too soon. I think it helped the fact that it was so soon because it added that shot factor. Mm. This guy's came in, kicked the door down and beat all these top guys. So it just kind of built up the fact until who's going to beat this guy and that bad, and that was going to help when he eventually did lose. Totally agree. Um, he was in there with the master of Hell in the Taker. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no better place to start with learning from the master. Um, I thought, always thought at first he was a wee bit shaky, but he came into it a bit more. Mm-hmm. You've seen him at, obviously a lot of moves, but I thought it was a bit more natural towards the middle and the end. But that's what happens when you're with a pro. And for me, Taker was in his prime at this time mm-hmm. as well. So Taker was taking blow for blow with him, and yeah, it was a tremendous match. Yep. And visual him at the top of the cell. Oh, yeah. Get well, about yeah. No, that was a, that was a sight to behold. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, in his second year in two thousand and three, his major feud was with Kurt Angle because he beat Angle for the championship at 
uh, WrestleMania that year. That was his uh, second win. Yeah. Yep. And uh, but then he's basically spent the rest of the year feuding with Angle in some way or another. <laughs> and but obviously there were different um, dynamics to it because there was uh, obviously the monster heel Brock Lesnar uh, towards the sort of latter half of the year. But before that, there was also a bit of a, a comedy angle with mm-hmm. them too. Uh, do you think Brock Lesnar suited a comedy character or do you think he was much more suited to be a, a dominant heel? I'll start with you, Stephen, on that one. Uh, it was quite good as a comedy character. Mm. I thought him and Angle did some great work in the summer of 2003, but looking at it now in retrospect, if it just did not suit him at all. Yeah. He's just he's a badass in the day. Yeah, crimes each comedy stuff. I think you can be like a dominant face without having to descend into like, comedy sketches and stuff it could be like the kind of Braun Strowman kind of thing where he's still a face when he's throwing people around mm, yeah. but it's just he's throwing down heels instead of faces kind of thing and then we have the decent one liner <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Angle Angle when he's a heel he can be a heel in the face as well but Angle can play a comedy heel probably a bit comedy <laughs> heel or face better than most people mm. you know who's a great example of somebody who's a heel and a face Becky Lynch? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's plenty, come on. Yeah, well, have you, have you got like a shrine built to her in your bedroom and saying, I worship Queen Becky? Have you not seen his, his screen? Have you not seen his screen in his phone? Oh, let me Becky? Tell you. oh my god, his screensaver is Becky Lynch. I bet yeah. you that much. I will, me and Alan, discuss this as you move on. Right, okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, just one last question before we move on. Um, one other particular match which garnered a lot of attention towards Lesnar because. At the start of 2004, you could tell, I think, he was going to be leaving after after WrestleMania that year because I think people were saying it might have been issues with creative, issues with management, uh, but, and I think he was just sick of the travel as well. But mm-hmm. the yeah. one match I want to talk about is his WrestleMania 20 match with Goldberg. Do you guys think that was just lazy booking on management's part or do you think he just didn't care anymore? Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. I just think they don't. They didn't care anymore mm. because this is. It's on paper was a dream match at the time, but uh, neither of them cared. And talk about Brock's issues. Uh, if you haven't read it, I recommend you read Brock's book. It came out towards the end. Oh, it's Brock has a book. He, he co-wrote it with <laughs> he Paul. He knows how to write. Paul Heyman co-wrote it with him, so he probably oh, did most no. of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's called Death Clutch, and it came out towards the end of his AGST type. And I recommend it. it's quite good. And it talks a lot about uh, his time on the road and how he, he, he much he hated travel and he, he said he developed an addiction to Vicodin during this time, which is quite common with wrestling where the travel guys become alcoholics, he become addicted to well, I think his time he, he thought just I'm done here. He could kinda of tell for most of two thousand the early part of two thousand four that he just didn't want to be there anymore. You must have been reading a different book because I hated it. <laughs> it's, but, I mean, it has got good points, but I think it's only like 150 pages long. It's a bit short for a, an autobiography. I think it's but, a bit longer than that. But he's not done much other than, you know, just shagging the sheep and the ghosts in the barn, to be fair. You know, that's... Brock Lesnar's not... Hang on, Brock Oh, no. Hashtag my boo the woo. Alan, I'm done, I'm done. Alan, Brock. No, but, come on, look at him. He is a sheep shagger. He's a country boy. He's inbred sheep shagger. Anyway, that is my opinion. Look at Alan's mic before Brock comes and finds us. The, the match was terrible though both of them didn't really care to be fair I think that was the obvious thing you, you can break, blame Brock all you want Goldberg's equal to blame I think for this yeah, match yeah they not have in Goldberg's deal they'd have to pay him more if, you want, if they wanted to make just one more, a one appearance between 
no way out in Mania, and he didn't want to do that. So I don't think Goldberg made a, sing- a single appearance until Mania itself. And that was basically just a full year for Goldberg as well. Exactly, he was yeah, gone. It's like no way about the feud. Goldberg didn't, you can look at Goldberg even when he debuted. He didn't care when he nah. debuted, and he didn't care for his entire year-long run. Mm. He just there for the money. And a World Heavyweight Championship reign to boot as well. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and by that point, Lesnar had left. He went on to other promotions, specifically, um, well, the UFC. But before that, he actually spent some time in Japan. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, New Japan Pro Wrestling hasn't um, garnered as much attention back then as it has today. But he did have a stint as IWGP Heavyweight Champion. So obviously, with New Japan Pro Wrestling coming more into the forefront, it's become more of a mainstream promotion these Mm -hmm. days. Do you think he would have done well in today's New Japan Pro Wrestling? Would he be more recognised as a draw? I think he would be the role that Jericho's playing now. He comes in every now and then, causes havoc and then goes away. I think that would have suited him, but from what I've seen, this version of New Japan was not the same as it was. This is when guys like Nakamura and Tanashi were still developing and finding their characters, and Brock was going to use for his name value, and... Remember, he was still in a lawsuit with Derekas to get out of his contract. He signed a no-compete clause and didn't even realise he was signing that. And he changed, because he was in a lawsuit, he changed the name of the F5 to The Verdict. <laughs> the Verdict? Aye. And also he got a tattoo of that, tattoo of the knife on his chest because he felt like WE was holding a knife to his <laughs> Oh, the big, big cock sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the penis sword. <laughs> See, I, I sometimes question, do you think the really, really bad internet marks know that Brock was an IWGP world champion because <laughs> some of the grief that he's ever had he's, he got during that recent Universal title reign if somebody just looked up oh he was champion New Japan oh oh no he's the best we love Brock <laughs> yeah, but this, is the back. This, this is when New Japan wasn't cool it's cool now yeah, so. yeah it was going towards like a downturn New Japan at this point yeah I think social media wasn't around as heavily as it was back then you know, back then those were the days of like Bebo and stuff but, yeah, I know, yeah. but yeah I don't think you know maybe it gained as much prominence as because maybe because of lack of social media etc but um, some of the matches he had when he was in his time in Japan he's had matches with Aki Bono Grand Sumo <laughs> Champion one Shinsuke Nakamura King of Strong Style and he's even had a match with Kurt Angle in a cross-promotional IWGP TNA champ versus champ match. You missed out his match with the giant Bernard, a.k.a. Tensai, a.k.a. Albert. Oh, he oh, was, he was yeah. great in Japan, though. He was so good at team. He was matched up with, with Carl Anderson. Is that the things. same Akabono who faced Big Show? Yeah, yep, the very Jesus. same. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Probably equally as bad, the match. I've not seen it that clearly. But going back a minute to sort of Lesnar Nakamura, Nowadays, because both those guys are in WWE right now, do you think that would be a, a dream match to see, Alan? No. Would you not want to watch Lesnar's, it? I just feel Lesnar's too lazy. I, why did you go to Alan? He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like any Lesnar match. No, no that's not true. I don't, it's not I don't like him. I loved him when he squashed my Goldberg. That was fantastic. I was just thinking, you'd be, I think you out of everybody here would most likely uh, get like to see Brock Lesnar take, take a Kinshasa to the face. Yeah, oh, I definitely would, but... I just don't feel the work because I think like I don't know where it's because his illness. I mean, he's not got the flexibility he used to have, mm. or the fact that he's just born idle. Um, I just think it'd be a complete waste. Yeah, um, I, it's the whole kind of we'll talk about it probably a bit more later. The whole used style of Lesnar matches, which is predominantly squash, suplex, um, you know, it's weight wearing. You, Nakamura just wouldn't suit him. Also, uh, Nakamura's quite. I'm right saying he's a bit more beat up in, yeah. in WWE than he was in Japan so uh, I don't think he could really take that type of beating I think that's why that's he came to, the, to make a bit more money before he retired and yeah. wrestle a softer style but apparently 
from what I heard, like I said, Nakamura was still finding himself, so he wasn't the Nakamura we know now. He still had more, he was more of a submission-based wrestler then. He hadn't became what he is now. So I think current-day Nakamura versus Lesnar would would be great. But this one, from what I've heard, was not very good. Mm. Yeah, and Nakamura is what 37, 38 now. So he's sort of in his mm. twilight years a bit. So maybe he's not as strong style as he as he used to be now. You kind of notice that because he's not on telly as much now. Yeah, he's a US champ. Uh, that's something, yeah. But he's dangerously close to being only the second Royal Rumble winner to not win a world championship. The first being Lex Luger. Yeah. How's that, how's that for a, a stat? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, I'm digressing here. But obviously, he also had a st- his first stint uh, with the UFC. So he had a record of, uh, as of uh, as of today, he has a record of 5-3. and three. He has had uh, a reign as UFC heavyweight champion. Would we say his UFC career was a success? Nathan? I don't follow UFC at all, but, I mean, heavyweight champion, yeah. <laughs> yeah so we, um, just to run through a list of his opponents, uh, we've had uh, Frank Mir, that was his first match where he lost that, but then he faced Heath Herring where he won, but then his third match was for the UFC title and he beat Randy Couture. Uh, now, Quacker, you're a bit of a UFC fan, uh, what did you make of Lesnar's UFC run? Um he definitely shows his dominance in it. It's just that his naivety team, uh, like that comes from inexperience because changing sports is very, very difficult. Like if you ask somebody to go from wrestling into this, they have to pick up so much and that's the naivety that I was talking about with CM Punk mm-hmm. and other things. So for example, his first loss was but he was putting a knee bar, for example. And it was just showing his naivety really. But the guy is clearly, if he's in the right game, he could definitely be a doubles dominant person in the UFC. Uh, I'm not really a UFC guy, not because I don't like the sport. I'm more, I don't like MMA fans. No offence, Kwaku, not no. talking about you. I'm but, not one, but... I'm talking about, about more so the hardcore MMA fans that discredit wrestling because yes. it's fake. Mm-hmm. Even though half the fake wrestlers that they slide could probably kill them. <laughs> I love how they think it's so much better, and yet technically, as World Culture kind of pointed this out first, but USC used kind of wrestling logic when they gave Lesnar the belt, where they get put the belt on the guy who draws the most money, because USC 100, where he is champion, was at one time the highest amount of buys ever, and this was a, used, and it was using a wrestler, not one of their favorite like MMA guys. It was through a wrestler who they all wanted to fail and came in, and like unlike Punk, he had that amateur background. He was more of a legitimate athlete than I think Punk was. Uh, I like how you mentioned about the the MMA fans and talking about how they, you mentioned about how the class wrestling is the fake sport. There's a great line in Mick Foley's documented that was that debuted on Sunday night, right. where he oh, talks yeah. about people ever go to you saying, uh, "You watch the fake sport. Why didn't you watch boxing or MMA or something?" It's like it's like our fake sport had someday finish well unconscious for two minutes. Could you get that in boxing? Absolutely not. Uh, but in terms of the actual thing about Lesnar, I mean, we noticed, as I talked about a couple, a few, couple of weeks ago in the CM Punk episode, it's not easy to do that transition. And the fact he made some sort of transition to be a champion, granted, as Kwaku said, his defeats, his later defeats, maybe it was the illness, but he was quite naive in times, especially, I think, his, his final match. Mm. Right before he came back, he was very, he would get beat quite comprehensively. Uh, so... It's not easy. We've got you've got to give him credit for for giving it a go, though. I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've obviously brushed over his stint in the NFL. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so if you kind yeah. of compare that, then the UFC thing's a success. 
Yeah, well, I'm not the biggest UFC fan at all. I know a wee bit about it, but I've got two of my best friends are massive fans. And actually, my, my party, we were talking about Brock Lesnar. I don't consider it a success because it's like boxing, seeing you've got a number of losses, you're done. It's as simple as that. They feel the exact same. They feel that there's more wrestling fans getting involved in the UFC, which is why there's a bigger draw. But one of them made a really valid point. Lesnar will only fight somebody that's small in them. He will not take on a big guy because he can't go physically with them anymore. He doesn't have the strength anymore. He doesn't have the quickness. Mm. And as I said, I think he's I think he's born idle. I think he's really lazy, and that's what they think. They think he cannot bring himself to train his technique back to get a bigger guy down, which is why when he came back for UFC 200, the guy fought was half the size of him. Take nothing away, beat Randy Couture. Randy Couture's a phenomenal fighter, but when you look at him, Lesnar's near enough twice the size. Uh, but also he battled about of uh, diverticulitis as well uh, yeah. as part of his UFC run. Do you think that um, that limited his uh, his career by that point? I think so, absolutely. I think yeah. that's part of the reason why you don't see the flexibility anymore and all the limitations. Which is a shame, I know, because like, that happened to the Scotland captain, Dan Fletcher. He lost his prime years playing football for Scotland and Manchester United, but no, he has been given the all clear. I, I just think either it's a fear factor or going by a lot of things I've seen online and a lot of people seem to think he's born idle and he's lazy. So like what Scott was saying, uh, we both read his book and he describes the verkulitis and that, that sounds horrible. Like, yeah, I would yeah. hate for anyone to go through that. Like, it's it's like intestinal disease or something. It's, uh, yeah. it's yeah. brutal. It's, 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 it is horrendous as it sounds. And obviously, I think that was maybe a bit of a factor in him going back to WWE. Obviously, it's, it's scripted, granted. And obviously, when you've seen over the last six years how he's worked, he's picks and chooses what he can do. He doesn't take his couple of moves now again. So I think that's a big factor. He, even though he is going to go back to UFC, I think that was a big factor him coming back. Well, yeah, so um, that basically um, wraps up the first half of the show and his first initial run. When we come back, uh, we're going to discuss his 2012 return to WWE and what the future holds for Mr. Lesnar. So uh, going into this break, uh, we're going to highlight the promo of one of Brock's most dominating performances at SummerSlam against none other than big match John, John Cena himself, or in Stephen's case, Alan Jones, um, <laughs> where, uh, yeah, it was probably, arguably, one of Brock's best performances at SummerSlam. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back straight after this. Hi, I'm Anastasia, and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Bad things happen to good people when you step into the ring with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. I'm an ass-kicking son of a bitch. I don't respect anybody. I don't care what people think about me. I could give two who I piss off throughout my entire day, all right? I came back to the company because I want to be a WWE champion again. I don't give a who's in my way as long as I get the pure satisfaction of getting my hands on my opponent and making him feel my pain. That's what makes me happy. If you want to wrap your head around my world, then you have to understand one thing. I enjoy hurting people. Everything that has been put in front of Brock Lesnar, I conquer, I defeat, I win when I have to win. Hell, I'm coming off the, the biggest win of my career in the WWE. I just beat The Undertaker. Two decades of dominance, the greatest streak ever. Is over. 
the thing is, I knew I was going to beat The Undertaker. Everybody knew I was going to beat The Undertaker. They just didn't want to believe it. For God's sakes, why wouldn't Brock Lesnar be able to beat The Undertaker? Because he's some mythical god? It's not rocket science, people. Why wouldn't Brock Lesnar be able to beat The Undertaker? Why can't Brock Lesnar beat John Cena at SummerSlam? Cena's on the top of the ladder! Cena for the championship! John Cena is a 15-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion! You're gonna ask probably a lot of questions about a lot of accomplishments I've, I've had. I would much rather not talk about myself, my successes. That's. I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at. But I think the reason why I am where I'm at is because I don't do anything but look forward. I see what's in front of me. That's it. Brock Lesnar. He's easily the most difficult person I've ever been in the ring with. He's also the most gifted athlete I've ever seen. His height, his weight, his strength, his mobility, his agility, his endurance, his mean streak. The good news for me is I've been in the ring with Brock Lesnar, and I know what it, I know what I'm in store for. I'm gonna rip John Cena limb from limb. It's gonna be ugly, people. It is and will be the toughest match of my life. You know, Paul Heyman went out uh, a few weeks ago and said I'm in for the beating of a lifetime. It's like going out and saying the sun will come up tomorrow. Of course, I know that. I know that. But I also know what it takes to beat him. John Cena, you are going to be hurt. Come get some. Beaten. Come get some. Victimized. Come get some. Conquered. Come get some. 40 men have been able to say that they were champion. One beast has defeated the streak. I want to be the one that beat the one. I left this company, went out and made a name for myself. I came back to become the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. But if I would have stayed here, there would be no such thing as John Cena. Nobody would know who John Cena is. He would have been buying boxes of Fruity Pebbles and eating them at home instead of getting paid to eat him. Brock Lesnar left at the right time, because if he had stayed, there'd be no Brock Lesnar. He left, he found something he was extremely successful at, where he could have one fight every so often, and now comes back for one fight every so often. He's a mercenary. He's a hired gun that works for money, period. I speak very passionately about this, because I love this company. And for 12 years, I have dedicated my life to this company. 12 years, every show, all the time. I'm not going in to lose. I'm going in to win. That 300-pound gorilla has no passion for anything but himself. He is big. He is strong. But what separates me from him, Jack, is heart. And when the chips are down, he may beat the hell out of me, but he's going to have to beat every last breath out of this body because I'm headed to SummerSlam champion, and I'm walking out with this son of a bitch. I'm going to rip John Cena apart at SummerSlam, and then I'm going to stand before him holding the WWE World Heavyweight Championship with pride.
I'm gonna leave him in a pile of blood and urine and vomit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am David Hockney, and I am joined by Nathan Scott, Alan Stephen, and Kwaku, where today we're discussing the next big thing, the beast incarnate, the conqueror, Brock Lesnar. Just a quick shout out to Anastasia for that soundbite. Thank you, Anastasia. And if you want to hear Sarah's interview with Anastasia, it came out on Monday, so be sure to find that episode and a bunch of others in our massive back catalogue, as big as Quacko's cable package. <laughs> yeah, I had to get it in there. Uh, but yeah, and that clip he heard was the the promo between Brock Lesnar and John Cena for SummerSlam 2014, in which Cena was, for lack of a better word, conquered, like legitimately. 16 German suplexes in one match, and yeah, one of the biggest squash matches in SummerSlam history. But... Um, we might, we might bring it up a bit later on, but uh, going back to Brock himself, uh, being a stats fan I am, I'm just going to affect uh, a couple of quick stats in here before we, uh, before we move forward. Where's the pillow for a nap? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be done in about a minute. So, um, Brock Lesnar, the youngest WWE champion of all time, not to be confused with World Heavyweight Champion. Youngest WWE champion at 25, previously held by... The Rock. The Rock, yeah. So, Sorry, I, thought, I thought you were throwing that out to everyone. Yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to say, I hope one of you guessed it, but yeah. He's also the second fastest professional wrestler in WWE history to win the, the championship since his debut. It only took 126 days. I think I know the answer to this as well. Who do you think was the first? I already know it. It's Ric Flair. Yep. Uh, 113 days for Ric Flair. And Sheamus was third. 166 days. We did listen to Scott in the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And one other fact you may not know about, he's actually red-green colourblind. Yep. We, because of that, he actually missed out... Um, getting a more prominent role with the National Guard, which was his, inner, his first initial job. So he was relegated to as an, an office job as a result because they deemed that a liability. Which makes me wonder why they gave him the Universal Championship <laughs> if he's red colour blind. Could you imagine, oh, could you imagine, could you imagine Lesnar like, doing a, like, an admin job? <laughs> I just, I don't know what it means, you know, Smash Computer! You know that, um, that picture of Lesnar where he looks really young and he's got oh, yeah, the specs. suit on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's what he'd look like. He's waiting all these, he's filling his reports with a red pen but doesn't realise because he's... Oh, he probably just destroyed the office, in fact. I don't think he's taking a black pen. Remember what he did to Uncle Paul's office as well? Oh, gee, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he probably did the same thing there. <laughs> but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, going uh, back to his, uh, his 2012 uh, historic return after WrestleMania 28, he goes straight after John Cena, and he gets booked in an Extreme Rules match at the, the next pay-per-view. He ends up losing. Why? Uh, Nathan, was this uh, was this the wrong booking decision? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Brock's return in twenty twelve had this sort of mystique about him. Uh, obviously, he's coming from the UFC. Even I remember he was even talking about like, is he going to wear the same attire that he wore when he was last in? Is he going to come in wearing like UFC style gear, which he eventually did? I mean, he was the toughest man in the world at that point, and to have him lose to effectively super Cena, I thought it was a terrible decision. What what was worse, sorry? I mean. Cena pretty much got straight back up after the win as well. It's as if nothing had happened. It was just bizarre. Yeah, I think it's just a case of give Cena's win back the whole 50 50, I think, because he was coming off the loss to The Rock at WrestleMania. But then a month later, thanks to the big shot, he would lose to John Laurinaitis. So I think if you, give, if you give Brock the win here, then Cena's whole point going into the Rock match next year, but 2012 being the worst year of his life, would have had a bit more credence because he came yeah. off three big main event pay per view losses in a row. Despite the fact he also won Money in the Bank and 
Sorry, Dean Nikki Bella, but you know, <laughs> probably had different definitions of the worst. I'm going to be a swine and say no. I think it was a good decision. What? Just because you hate him? No, no <laughs> not just because I hate him. I mean, it was a brutal match, but it mirrors his UFC run. Mm-hmm. Loses his opening match, then goes on to become the champion. So it was sort of a mirror on that. I thought was quite good, and plus the whole scene. I think I think Cena needed the victory more than Lesnar. I don't think he could have taken another big, big defeat right after WrestleMania. See, I'm, I'm, I don't like the fact that they, he got immediately chucked with Cena. I thought it was something that was more fitting for a big stage like we got a couple of years later at SummerSlam, but in terms of the match, the build-up of it was really good. Mm. It was great how uh, Lesnar referred to the fact like you've just been holding my spot this full-time because mm-hmm. I left. If I, if I was still there, I would have had what you had. So yeah. it was quite a... It had a bit of a jealousy-type angle with it as well, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised that they gave Cena the win, but it's just a, it was just a typical Cena booking at that point. Though. Yeah, mm-hmm. to follow on what you said, like that's a good point because if he'd not faced Cena and he's, since he came back, and just his first match had been that SummerSlam match, it would have even more been even more impactful the fact that he squashed him. But the fact that we already we've already seen him lose, mm-hmm. just Cena kind of kind of lessened that a wee bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Think, is this a match where? He was hit by the punch with the chain. Yeah. 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 Ah, mm-hmm. ah, yeah. Right, yeah. And Lesnar picked up Charles close. Robinson by the belt. Oh, that was classic. With one hand, like he's nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I think, well, personally, I think Lesnar should have won that match and it would have continued Cena's downward spiral because then obviously the loss of the Rock and then he lost yeah. the Brock. He was going through a lot of personal issues as well. I think he was going through his divorce at the time mm-hmm. from his first wife. Yeah. So I think, you know, booking wise, I think, you know, Brock Lesnar was the mercenary. He was making all these all these demands mm-hmm. as part of his uh as part of his return, you know, he's saying, I'm the, the main star, I'm the guy you should be uh investing in, I'm taking over this company. Do you think if they'd gone in that direction, do you think his his return run would have been more as just as impactful if not more than his uh, than his previous run? See yeah, uh I thought the first couple of years of his return it was very stale. Yeah. It was uh was it he feuded with Triple H for what felt like forever. The WrestleMania twenty nine match was terrible. Well it gave um, us the mating call though. The mating call. That's mate. We did get that <laughs> we did get that. I mean he, his match with Punk at SummerSlam twenty thirteen was an absolute amazing match. match. And it wasn't until he beat the streak that we really tried to take them seriously. I mean, I remember the build up to the streak match. And you just felt like he was going to lose. Mm-hmm. I did not. I did not anybody who pegged uh, take a loss at that point. Not just not because of the size, but purely because of the build. Mm-hmm. It was just built terrible the first two years. Yeah, totally agree. Um, agree. It's, it was too stale, and it would have totally changed. But at the same time, I, I don't feel like somebody's been gone that long to just come in and just take over the way he did. The biggest thing I didn't like about it. Was that's when social, social media started to pick up, and it was late the day before WrestleMania. He was going to be at Raw, and mm. ruined it. Mm. People were chatting, "We want Brock, we want Lesnar, yeah." Because yeah. mm-hmm. I think you know, not to be confused, like we want Rock as well, because obviously Rock was there mm-hmm. that day as well. Um, but yeah, it came to the point where Lesnar was being quite tricky with contract negotiations a bit. You know, he, all he did, there was rumours floating around that he was just doing it for the money. It was even incorporated into some of the storylines as well. Um, and he was only making pay-per-view appearances whenever he did matches. He never did Raw or SmackDown. Do you think this kind of booking made him a more valuable asset to the company rather than somebody you'd see on a regular basis? 
I think so, yeah, at this thing, because people wanted to see them at this point, so it makes the, a special attraction coming just for pay-per-views, unlike now. But certainly back then, I mentioned earlier, there's sort of still a mystique about Brock, and you want to, you want to see them, but not all the time. And yeah, I think it was a good decision. I think it was fine until he won the belt. When he won the belt, I think it became a bit more of an issue because the belt was not regularly appearing. The best example That's was... That's SummerSlam. Yeah, when he, won right. the, when he won the belt, the first day, it was more prominent when he won it recently. But the best example was round about the time he first won the belt, they stripped, obviously right before it, they stripped Daniel Bryan of it because he couldn't compete. Mm. And yet Lesnar was going yeah. three months without yeah. actually appearing. When he didn't have the belt, you could deal with it because it was good, but with the belt, it just devalued the title. Well, well I think the reason he wasn't going to be, I think it's because... He was on a different. Maybe it's because he was on a different contract from everybody else. But also, I think the main problem with him going away with the belt for the first time is that they didn't have a big main event program to follow up on to keep the place of it. Like the Ambrose, the closest thing they had was the Ambrose Rollins, and they wrapped that up at uh, the Hell in a Cell, and they had to scramble to do this whole Cena Authority thing at Survivor Series. Yeah. Totally agree with the guys are saying. Yeah, so obviously the, the surprise appearances, you know, made him a bit of a speciality draw, but there was a, then there was another issue that came with that, money. <laughs> yeah. Do you think WWE suffered financially a lot because of this special deal that Brock was on? You know, he was getting paid, rumoured supposedly about a million for each appearance. Well, I think if they were, like, I think they should, they should have known that they were going to have to pay him a lot when he came back because he's been, he was used to the whole USC thing being the big money are showing up to big shows occasionally and getting paid a big check. I think that's the kind of thing he wanted when he came back and if they weren't prepared for that then they shouldn't have brought him back in the first place. Yeah, but uh, you kind of need to think of, I, can't, I don't know the, the, the figures off the top of my head, but some of the matches he had, I mean, how much money do you think they would have bought, got them? Obviously it's a different kind of era with the network and that type of stuff, but I'm sure his match with Cena drew quite a lot. The first one, his return yeah. match, I'm sure that kind of drew... I'm sure the Undertaker match at SummerSlam in 2015 would have mm-hmm. got a decent level of watch. So it brought, it brings eyes onto it, and bringing eyes will bring money. That's why they always try to get them for WrestleMania, because WrestleMania is the one thing you'll get the casual fans who will buy it. The likes of us, obviously, we get the network for 9 99 but mm-hmm. you get pay-per-view buys on Skybox Office and that type yeah. of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll go for Lesnar because he's a name. I mean, they're not gonna give. They're not gonna care if he's fighting Roman Reigns or that type of stuff. So I think it would potentially weigh itself out. But to the hardcore fans, it's a lot more mm-hmm. high scrutiny on it. Well, yeah, Paul Heyman, always based on the current, the, the, the just the title run it just ended. Mm-hmm. He was saying stocks went up, you know, shares went up, pay per views went up when Brock was champion. So there is an element to it, but as you say, it's a casual fans, yeah. I think, are bringing it in. But mm-hmm. he did, we kind of talked badly about this initial spell that didn't show up. Uh, I thought this spell was, he did, did some great stuff as well. I talked about the Punk match. Uh, Royal Rumble 2015 is one of oh, my favourite matches yeah. of all yeah. time. Yeah. One of the best triple threat matches of all time. Him, Cena mm-hmm. and Rollins just tore it up. That was arguably my favourite yeah, me too. The best point is when Rollins sets the splash and then from out of nowhere, Brock comes in, just picks yeah. him up and throws him over his- yeah, Brock was taken out for yeah, a good portion of that match as well. It's weird because you should be able to spot the 300 pound plus man coming in, but the fact that he looks like a giant him, tomato, yeah. yeah. He just appeared he's, out of nowhere like surprise. He gets up so quickly because I think at the point where Rollins is about to hit the Phoenix Splash, he's still down. The minute mm-hmm. he lands it, Lesnar's up in the ring. F5, it's, pheno- it's phenomenal. That was his peak. That was the point. Suplex City was at his peak as well. Yeah. yeah. No, Suplex City made its debut at SummerSlam 2004, as evident from the. Uh, 2004? 
14. <laughs> Sorry. All right, there we go, first botch. But it took me about, what? Write that down. Yeah, write it down. I think it was, uh, what, 52 minutes, I believe? A new record. <laughs> Newcastle best, right? Yeah, so 2014 SummerSlam. I remember watching that match, and I'm thinking, oh my God, Cena is in a squash match. What did you guys think of it? Yeah. I, I remember watching that match in box, and I didn't realise at the time the IC dub guys were all sitting around me. Didn't even know that at the time. Right, who, who was there? Jester, Dallas, uh, Gradle. They were all there. I had no and you, you didn't even clock them? At this point, I wasn't really in the ICW, so I didn't really know them. Uh, but I was there with some of the guys from uni as well. And I just remember, like, it was so uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> really uncomfortable. Because like, I, won't lie, I was cheering for Cena, right? I was both surprised there. But it got to after about two or three minutes, and it's like the seventh or eighth suit place, we were all like, this is getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And even the ICW guys were saying, this is not this isn't the right this is, <laughs> surely there's going to be a fight back and you're waiting and, yeah. waiting and it just yeah. didn't come I hated Cena so I loved it I thought it was brilliant <laughs> I, mean, I didn't watch it live but I watched it the next day I think it was an F5 after like 20 seconds or something yeah so after about 30 seconds like, yeah. Yeah. There, there was a point I think myself Gary and Derek who have been uh, actually verbally assaulted by the McLeod family <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would watch we, had a, we watched a lot of these pay-per-views together and there was a point we had a jo- running joke that our night ends at four in the morning with a Cena win. And this was just a, such a shock to the system. I mean, I hate squash matches at pay-per-views, big pay-per-views. Mm. I hated Ronda Rousey's Alexa Bliss squash idea. Uh, I don't like squash. Yeah, a big pay-per-view, it should not be a squash. It should be equal playing field type. Totally agree. Well, 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 what about UFC fights? Like most of uh, most UFC fights don't even last a couple of minutes. Would you call them squashes? I mean, it's not really a squash. It's usually somebody wait, wait, has wait, a wait, time wait, to wait, move wait. to knock somebody out. It's not a squash. Dave, Dave I'm, I'm one of the biggest wrestling fans you'll know, but there's a difference between UFC <laughs> and wrestling. <laughs> King of kayfabe, that's who I am. It's, it's not like they go, you're going to go down after 30 seconds for the one, two, three. It's not like UFC, it's like, I'm going to throw a punch. Oh no, there's a foot bang. They wake up in the obviously, obviously with like UFC and MMA, there's a bit more realism to it. Well, actually, you know, there's a bit. 100% realism to it, yeah. <laughs> okay, Brock, when you run off the cage, you're, I'm going to do a leap and you die for me. <laughs> <laughs> you do a yeah. start pressing land at your head again. The, the 2014, it just reminds me of that, if you've seen that clip from The Simpsons, the kids looking on at the fighting gym, the stop, oh, he's yes. already yeah. dead. That's a brilliant meme. It was like, it, stop, stop, <laughs> he's already dead. It really felt like we said like we'd, we've turned to like normality. We've seen him holding the belt again, and then just to see this come through, just threw everything mm. in the window. Yeah, uh, I lost my train of thought there. I got too uh, too caught up in the UFC versus WWE match there. But yeah, um, obviously by that point as well, Brock started getting cheered more often despite his sporadic appearances, uh, and obviously on the build up to WrestleMania 31, I think he was actually getting more cheers than Roman Reigns going into that it wouldn't that be hard match. to be fair at the moment yeah, even back then because people just started to turn on Roman Reigns when they realised oh wait he's getting handpicked to be in the main event and but the Lesnar Reigns match was actually a lot better than anyone anticipated I it was good uh, mm-hmm. Stephen you you said in the past you really liked that match uh, yeah, do you think this was one of Brock's better performances I liked that match but uh, they've kind of ruined it this last year by them having absolutely horrendous matches to turn them mm-hmm. that one in particular is so well done I think the thing that aids it, pushes it over the edge, is the Rollins cash-in. If you take the Rollins cash-in out of it, then it might kind of be compared more to the ones this year. But it's, it's just the added elements to it that's really good. As I said, super excited was it his, was it his mm. peak. I think it's the fact that this that the matches this year followed that huge backlash of people not liking him being away. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Yeah, and obviously Suplex City was the phrase coined from WrestleMania because I think Lesnar said it during mid-match, you know, like after <laughs> yeah. about the first few, it was just like, Suplex City, bitch. Um, do you think the Suplex City like merchandise was a great selling point for Lesnar? The fact that that's his catchphrase now? Absolutely. Like, he's so positive here, like, there you go, Because he had some other stuff like Fear the, Fear the Storm <laughs> or Fear Super the Fury. Super excited, which is brilliant. I loved it. I'm not a fan of it, as I said, but see every time he came out when he did up here and they amended the t-shirts for that place yeah oh, yeah. yeah. brilliant was... genius it is an, it, t- technically they, c- they could have kept it going forever mm. never ever they could have just done one for every well not literally every city in the world but you know what I think I th- yeah I think that's what was the unique selling point the fact that they changed the the city name on the front yeah I personally liked the exit F5 but I would have loved it if he came out with the Great Roar Mucho with Suplex City and the Jeddah on it. Jeddah Saudi Arabia, yeah. The best thing that did come from Suplex City, though, is the currently the best podcast going in wrestling. Yeah, that's how we get our name. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Retweet, yeah. I wonder wonder who's on that show. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like it's just a bunch of random folk from Scotland talk um, bashing Brock Lesnar. Also, we need to talk. Also, him with the car. Oh, oh no! Like, oh, like, oh. I think yeah. Did he not fling the car door and he actually hit somebody in the audience? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, freakishly strong. Yeah, stupid. That's a freakish nature. Yeah. How WWE managed to avoid him getting sued is an absolute miracle. Mm. But yeah, I think following that momentum from WrestleMania 31, I think wherever he made an appearance, he would always get cheered. Yeah. Because you know, I think maybe that's the response WWE was expecting. He was a he was a big name draw, and he would always just dominate in the ring. But by about 2016, that's kind of things when things started to go a bit downhill because they obviously had that match with Dean Ambrose. And oh, it, what Broken. could have been a really, really good street fight... I was so just start- disappointed. Though. Yeah, he just started to get lazy. Yeah. I mean, what did you, do you think that match had so much more potential to it? Absolutely. I mean, I've read an interview that Dean gave just after it and he said every time I went creative, yeah, I went to, well, yeah. he just said, no, you're getting chucked about. Was that not that's the whole podcast? It was, yeah, the network, yeah. yeah. It was just basically, I, also, I think he did it also in an interview as well, but he was yeah. just saying, didn't matter what I came up with, he was like, no, nah, you're just getting chucked about, you're getting buried under chairs. I think it's because. And it's a shame because Am- Ambrose himself is a very clever guy when he comes to the ring, yeah. comes up with some crazy ideas. When he disappeared, they left Ron and he came back with a hot dog cart. One of the greatest things I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> I, was in, I was in stitches, but it was such a shame that match was wasting. That was, the, for me, was potentially going to be the match of the night. Yeah. That was the one I was really it's looking forward too, to. Yeah. I remember um, that you had the segments on Raw that you speak to Foley, got the guest of the barbed wire baseball bat. Terry Funk gives him advice. Obviously, Ambrose, when he was John Moxley and CZW, is quite like, a hardcore wrestler. And now the match itself is just, like, everyone said, disappointing. I think it was because he was also, he was still training for that comeback to USC that he would have a few months later. And he just, he was trying to avoid all like dangerous spots or something. Like, then why did you pick it as a street fight then? Because <laughs> if you picked it as a regular match, then fair enough. But. Maybe it wouldn't have been as big a draw if it was just a normal match. Because remember, this was just a mid-card match and you're, we were being so accustomed to seeing Brock Lesnar as, you know, main event. Well, was meant to, he was meant to fight Bray Wyatt at that WrestleMania. Because they, they had the whole big thing at the Rumble where they get eliminated by the Wyatt family. If they'd went that one, that might have been a bit more of a safe bet than fighting Ambrose. But They had a lot of guys injured that Mania as well. Oh yeah, that was just trying a, to just spice up the card. That was a quite an unfortunate year because yeah. obviously so many people were injured and, you know, they had to make do with what they had. But... Um, would you have liked to have seen a well last question before we move on would you have liked to have seen Brock Lesnar take on the White family if nobody got injured no 
I think the on paper it's a good concept, but when you realise what the result would have been, yeah. then no. I'll, I would have said yeah if Braun was was involved, but at that point he wasn't there, so no. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with Scotty Spot. All right, so um, Lesnar White feud never happened, and it sounds like the guys are saying we should just keep it that way. So, <laughs> but then towards the end of 2016, Goldberg came back, and. <laughs> His, uh, his return match was with Brock Lesnar at the 2016 Survivor Series. It was a squash match. Lesnar got destroyed, and Hallen has given us the yes. Can, can I say, I know about 10 minutes ago I said I hate squash matches. This is the one exception. Yeah, this is yes. so well done. 1 minute 26 seconds. That's how long it lasted for Goldberg to destroy Lesnar. Alan, I can see oh, you just pumping your fist there. Brilliant. Like, not Superman punch style, but yeah, just yes style. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I never actually seen the pay per view. I just started a new job, so I couldn't actually sit and watch it. I mean, you could afford nine ninety nine. No, he I was working the next day. Oh, working right. the next day, so I couldn't sit and watch so it. You, mind that you did that last WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. That was a. That was a. Yeah. Uh, so it's not all of us can enough avoid paying a forty pound ticket by buying a flat David. <laughs> so, um, I never got a chance to see it, and when I seen the results, I jumped about. I just bought the house for Hazel, and she's like, stop dancing with like a twit, you're, you're funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can write the explicit buttons on. Sorry, you've already done it as well, so yeah. it's uh, Seven in the morning, and I'm sitting there going, oh my God, oh my God. And it was on Facebook, and they said the full match, and I thought, right, I'll try and see as much as I can before work. And then at 126, I'm like, what? It's over? Yep. This is brilliant. And uh, oh, I was over the moon, I thought, I agree with you, I'm not a big fan of squash matches, but that was deserved. Mm-hmm. But also the fact, he needed to get put down because yeah. he was so stale. The best thing about not watching it live is you're obviously watching the network and the network got the timing on it. You get to the main <laughs> event, it's like, it's got like 10 minutes left. What's happening? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you a story of it when me and Ross watched it. Uh, was it me and Ross went, were watching at one of Ross's fences. We came straight there from Fear and Loathing 9 and when the promo package for Lesnar versus Dadberg. <laughs> Dad Bear. <laughs> well, all he did was talk about his son, and he looked like a, such a dad. Go, Daddy Bill. <laughs> he's still built like a brick house. What yeah, are you talking about? Yeah, Not saying it's an insult. He's just got, he's just got a bit grey, but yeah, he's still he's trying to have a laugh. Up, Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, the promo package started, and Ross went to the toilet. He was still the jobby jobber even then. <laughs> and he just, and he just said, just, he said, we were watching movie. He just said, leave, just let it play. And he came back just as like the entrances and the introductions had had finished. If he'd stayed. Like a minute later, he have probably just came back and missed the match. And Goldberg, like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and we remember when it happened, we were just like, like no, sure. When he hit the jack, we were like, surely this isn't going to be it. And when it happened, we were all pissing ourselves because mm. we thought, brilliant, we didn't, we weren't seeing it coming. Because everyone thought it was just going to be as shit as mm. uh, Mania 20 and Brock, Brock was going to get his win back. But no, they just completely swerved us. Yeah, I completely agree with what everyone else said that it needed to happen, you to spice things up with Lesnar. And- a loss in that fashion especially was perfect. Mm-hmm. It's probably the biggest shock since Lesnar beat Taker at 30. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, going uh, into the that year's Royal Rumble, the 2017 Rumble, he was eliminated by Goldberg as well. Like, So he was done, he basically, Goldberg got him twice in a row. Do you think this sort of booking made fans sympathise with Brock more? Because they keep referring back to the WrestleMania 20 match they had, and that was their only ever one on one encounter back then. Uh, and Brock never got one over Lesnar. Do you think that made the fans... Brock, sim- Brock didn't get one over Lesnar? 
<laughs> number, number two. two. Number two. <laughs> Brock. Oh, Brock did one get Goldberg. Yeah, right. Number two. Right number, to two number two, yeah. Right to that. Right. Straight to. You know who used to be number two? Nathan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> right, so used to be. Used to be, yeah. But now we've uh, we've renamed the Nathan Fisher Award the, the Bart Gun Trophy. <laughs> I think it's called the Bart Gun Memorial, actually, but you know, I mean. Exclusive. <laughs> But yeah, um, do you think this booking about Goldberg always uh, one-upping Lesnar? Do you think made fans sympathise with Brock Morton? Did it give him a good programme going into WrestleMania? I wouldn't say sympathise. It just made it made them care. I don't think more so sympathise. It made them invested because Brock was finally doing something different. Because it was just came in super late, and now find someone who's actually mm. beaten him. It made it more interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the whole Brock like suplex thing. Going back to the suplex uh, city, I think. I loved that at the time, but I think that's kind of led to his downfall a wee bit because before he had like, UFC style takedowns, mm-hmm. now it's just suplex, suplex, suplex. I think fans had enough of it and we glad when Goldberg beat him and eventually got the belt from the Rumble as well. Yeah, totally agree, but I don't feel the fans were sympathetic. They were quite glad to see him get oh, a bit yeah. of a taste of his own medicine and the fact that they were right behind Goldberg the whole way. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. As I think this whole thing did two things for me personally. Um, number one, it was, I mean, it was a complete shock to see it all happen. I mean, I remember when I was watching it live in a bar. It's like, oh, this, they've got like 30 minutes left, let's see what's going to happen. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, number two, it was good for like the building up of the story. And the third thing, because I don't know if, how you guys felt, but there was a certain kind of rumour about the type of contract Brock had. Is that if he could, like, it was just rumours and just feeling. Is that could they actually not look dominant? Like, could they make him look like a bit of like a jump? Did they have that in a contract where he's always got to look good? Mm-hmm. Hence why he beat The Undertaker, hence why he did all these kind of things. And then to see that was just a complete shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with Alan that it didn't make him look more sympathetic, but I get it. It was the freshness to it, it was a surprise factor. I mean, we kind of fucked because. He beat Goldberg, not Goldberg beat him, sorry, at WrestleMania 20. A lot of people thought the Survivor Series was just him getting his back, getting yeah. his win back, and then Goldberg was going to go off. We didn't realise that we were then going to get this run into WrestleMania um, and have that that match at WrestleMania, let alone the fact that it then became the Universal title. We'll probably talk about it in a minute, yeah. I'm unhappy about it, but it was fresh, it was different, and it helped you kind of forget what happened in 2004. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, the... T- the 2016-2017 feud was art was clearly so much better than their initial 2004 feud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what one factor I think really ticked me off going into WrestleMania was the fact that coinciding with them was the Chris Jericho Kevin Owens feud. You know they were best buddies and they just uh, friends. They became oh, friends. They became uh, bitter enemies. And but what I really was annoyed about this was the fact I think Chris Jericho and Owens could have fought over the Universal Championship with this feud. But instead, they were relegated to the United States Championship uh, because Jericho was US champion at the time. Did Goldberg and Lesnar need the Universal Championship in this feud, or do you think it was better with Jericho and Owens? I think it would have been better with Jericho and Owens for the Universal title. I mean, the the match itself between Goldberg and Lesnar at Mania 33, I thought it was excellent. It was really good. Like you said, it should have been what? The Mania 20 match, but basically, it should have been the 33 Mm. match. Um, I remember listening to Jericho's podcast and. he said that apparently when Goldberg came in, he agreed to the loss to Lesnar 
but he wanted to face him for the title at Mania. And so that's why he got kind of got switched around. So I think the original plan was Jericho and which like you said the combination of their still would have been a brilliant end, I think. And Coot should probably could have been the main event at Mania that year. I remember the, at the time I thought of the both programmes, I thought they were so hot that it didn't really matter if either had the title because Owens Jericho as a team were the highlight of late 2016 Raw, in my opinion. They were best friends, much like me and Nathan. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I would never do what Owens did to Jericho. But uh, sorry, they had the festival friendship, and I think like they were both such hot programmes. But I think in hindsight, Jericho Owens should have had the belt because the thing that hurt their match, even though the storyline was so good, was the placement because they were so much lower than they would have been if they had been in the title the... match, they like the second match and they yeah. followed the, such a hot match of yeah. AJ, uh, AJ Shane, Shane yeah. but they've been higher up the card in the main event spot, maybe it would have saved it, but who knows. Yeah, totally agree. Um, no, I think the fact that if you want to cl- include the elimination of, of Lesnar, the Rumble, Goldberg's 3-0. Three, 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 zero. He doesn't need that title there um, to to really wind up Lesnar. Lesnar's obviously the desperation for I need that one. I need the one. That was a bit that been enough, and I think truthfully we were robbed of what should have been the universal title. Mm, which yeah. is Stephen, do you think the universal championship was needed? Well, firstly, it's a good thing used to Nathan and Scott aren't on SmackDown Live because friendship means nothing on that brand. Know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave, you spoiled that for everybody. I'm not going to spoil it for the Thanks, listeners. Dave. Uh, but uh, and back to the actual thing, I think Lesnar and Goldberg did not need the belt purely because if you look how the Kevin Owens Jericho payoff went, as Scott said, it was so far down the card. And it probably ruined the payoff for that one. Mm-hmm. Well, as with the Lesnar Goldberg one, you could have had no belt and it would have still had the hot payoff. You'd yeah. have still had that one. It was a quick fire match. The match itself, as Nathan said, I agree, absolutely fantastic for what it was. It exceeded expectations. But Jericho and Owens needed it so much more than they two did. And I think that, in the product of that match, it hurt. And that's what I think is, I think the reason they were put in that program initially is because the Universal site was so new. Mm. And I think they wanted to put it on big stars like Goldberg and Lesnar to try to bring up the legitimacy of such a new belt, especially after the backlash of its introduction and how much a shaky start it got off to with Ballard having to vacate it. The jam belt, as uh, Brooklyn called it. (laughs) Jam belt, jam belt. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, speaking of the Universal Championship, that was the beginning of Brock Lesnar's uh, Universal Championship run, currently the longest reigning out of five people, (laughs) funnily enough, yeah. Um, But that came to a point where Brock's booking became much more sporadic is that the right word probably yeah yeah. much more sporadic much more much fewer pay-per-view appearances now he he only defended it like once every three months or so and uh, do you think this this him defending it more sparingly than usual do you think that damaged his legitimacy a bit Uh, Nathan I'll start with you Uh, yeah I think so I mean mentioned before how people didn't mind during the first run, if you will, that he was making sporadic appearances because they wanted to see him, so it was a special attraction. Now it was kind of like, when's he going to lose it? So mm. it got to a point where it's like, where well, he's going to drop it now, or oh, no, he's champion again. And then, yeah, it's just been a disappointment. I, uh, I think his Universal title was hindered from the start because, like, days before Mania, the main event of him versus Roman for next year, for the following year, sorry, was leaked. I think everybody knew every time he went to a match that he somehow he was going to retain because he had to do that program, because like, the build-up to matches, like his match with Joe or match with Braun, the build-up were good, mm-hmm. the payoffs usually wouldn't match up, and Heyman even said, 
uh, with the ITR show in New Orleans that he said he wished he could have done Joe feud when they didn't have something like Ronda because he knew that what they could have done with Joe was hindered by the fact they had to get to Roman down the line. Yeah, totally ruined the legacy of that belt. He's run all two years of it. <laughs> yeah, but the belt never really could take yeah. off because you look at the kind of, you had the, obviously Balor's one was unfortunately had to drop it so mm-hmm. soon, but yeah. Kevin Owens kind of took it and kind of ran with it. You could tell how pressure it was, but the fact that Lesnar would just then walk away yeah. and lose, I mean, obviously, we've obviously grew up on the point where the belt meant everything, it was defended everything. We all grew up in the attitude era where the belt was defended every two days, pretty much, mm-hmm. and it felt like something big. To have no championship all the time made it feel so bad. And it, as Scott said earlier, kind of there was there wasn't really a, a feud to kind of set back on when he first had the title. Yeah. I think this was again the case here. There wasn't really a it didn't feel like a hot feud on Raw. Because that's why back. they had to do the Shield ring because they thought we need something hot. Uh, let's get the Shield. People like the Shield. Mm. <laughs> they like that Rollins. And Rollins. As, as they like two thirds of it. Yeah, and as much as people aren't a fan of Reigns, his whole character is I'll fight anyone, anywhere, mm-hmm. anytime. If he'll start to bring. Legitimacy. Legitimacy. He's, he's already. Yeah, he's, he's doing it. You know, he is. And if it didn't matter who won it, they were still going to have that chance. But I think Reigns was the right guy to take it off him. And I think, you know, give him another month or two and it's time for him to pass it on to somebody but else. The thing as well, it was quite good. He did have occasion. I liked it with the first one. He had the occasional great match. SummerSlam 26, 2017. The, the Fatal oh, yeah, Four, the fatal four Way was so well done as well. Mm. His match with Joe was quite was decent as well, but uh, it got to the point towards the end of the year, as we said, it got you got bored of it. Royal Rumble 2018, when he had the, the triple threat with Kane and Strowman, nobody cared a squat about that match. And I think that, as the, the fact ever the U was coming to Reigns, and we're going to get that match again. I think what ruined it was the way he beat Braun. Braun's dominating everyone. One F five. One F five, and he's done. You're like, what? This is a guy pulled down railings and every new people. They, they tried to make. The, they think they wanted to make the F five look like an indestructible move to get to the point with Mania where it felt like oh, how many Reigns kicked out about like twenty or so. It felt like he was unreal. The F five he was kicking out yeah, it was like, like six F fives. Yeah. I did get to the point. I thought if he's going to lose this match, he's going to lose by submission. Mm-hmm. That's the way it looked. The F five was supposed to going to cut it. Well, the only thing I cut out is when David said he's the longest reigning Universal Champion. It reminded me when Kevin Owens had uh, yes. After the first Raw, he said, I'm the longest reigning <laughs> <laughs> well, That's just Kevin's character, though. He likes to just rip the piss a bit. I remember between Mania and Great Balls of Fire when the first like three months without him, there were people who have been signed with missing signs that says, have you seen this belt? <laughs> Last seen on a beast. I <laughs> uh, just put that on milk cartons everywhere. Yeah. That, would, uh, that would bring it back. But yeah. Um, but I like how you brought up the feud about his feud with Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. He's um, basically he faced he's faced Roman Reigns twice one on one in the space of three years, but then he faced him twice more after WrestleMania 34. Do you think that feud went on too long, or do you and do you think it should have ended at WrestleMania 34? I would consider the first match as a part of a feud. I would say from you know, the second match onwards, that's the feud. Right. Um, I would consider the first because what. Reigns had just won the Rumble. Well, obviously, you know, the, the WrestleMania 34 main event was leaked the year prior. Yeah. Do you think that kind of ruined It didn't the, help the Reigns. Yeah, it you didn't know, help anybody, yeah. It didn't help him. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier, Scott, everyone knew he, if he was going to drop it, he was going to drop it mid-year. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it looked like he was, going, he was going to be the champion. It just sort of ruined it for everyone. Uh, I think the the feud actually really damaged Reigns. Like, because he got so many opportunities... And yet he would come out every week and complain about being held down despite mm. still getting opportunities. So it made him look like a hypocrite and 
it'd be even harder for you to get behind because I remember an episode, I thought going to be a plug on the episode of my podcast on the lead up to Mania, I did a full thing where I, I, I did a whole thing of cheap plugs. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's my podcast. Shut up. We got on Spotify first, by the way. Fuck off. <laughs> like, just get your plug in and just move on with it. But anyway, we, I, I made this whole case like for almost 10 minutes of arguing why the Mania match between him and Brock would be good and all the possibilities. And then ever since, I've, I've, like, I feel like such an arsehole. Like, it only makes me feel like a dick when I look at him like, like you could have been something and now you just look like a whiny bitch. <laughs> he's kind of be gotten good since at SummerSlam because he's already defended it more than Brock ever did. Mm-hmm. But in between, he just looked like, like I don't even care of him anymore. Uh, sorry, Nathan. I completely agree about what everyone said. Thought it range looked pretty stupid, actually, with the whole feud. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, did you want to? Yeah, I, I, I thought uh, I, I, I wasn't a fan of it because the crowd, that, the crowd that made it didn't help with things. But one thing I thought was peculiar was um, when they led up to SummerSlam. It was always the big question of who's going to get the match, and there was a couple of things. Getting, I know you're probably talking about what there was a couple of things on that one. It was more the. The one, the fact that when Rollins was the IC champion the first time, he kept saying he was a better champion than Lesnar. And why did they not then put him against Lesnar? Mm-hmm. And the other mm-hmm. one is, just before that, obviously that pay-per-view, Bobby Lashley beats Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Where's yeah. Bobby Lashley been since he beat Roman Reigns? It's like, it's like the stream rules meant nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like, why wasn't Lashley number one contender at SummerSlam? Yeah. Well, well, he just beat the big dog! <laughs> yeah, well, they made up for the fact that the 50-50 booking happened to, like later than Raw, but... No, that whole thing was it. The Reigns should. The leaking didn't help. Uh, yeah. Leaking, people didn't want it from the start. And it was just. You knew it was coming close and you just felt the moments coming. And yeah, it was, you kind of. You were glad that happened at the Rumble. Aye. Uh, but just uh, one last question before sort of moving on. Anybody besides Reigns, could uh, could anyone else have beat Brock Lesnar for the championship? Like, you know, you mentioned Seth Rollins before, but is there anyone else we may have missed? I was thinking about this on the way over, actually. And I was thinking that. The Royal Rumble this year, triple threat with Braun, Brock and Kane. Keep that match the way it is. But have Braun, pin Kane and win the title. And then at Mania, you'd have Braun, Roman, Lesnar, triple threat. And then have Reigns pin Lesnar for, for the belt. And that opens sort of Reigns throwing further down after Mania. And Brock could go away. He's been beaten by Reigns. I think, well, uh, see, thanks for coming to me, David. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, my fault, sorry. <laughs> but, the only thing, this is going to sound crass of me, the only good thing about the whole Reigns, Lesnar feud, whatever you want to call it, was after the Greatest Royal Rumble, when Samoa Joe, also known as Wendy's best pal, <laughs> cut that amazing promo about how he could go and cry and whine, and I thought that was such a great promo, mm. and that one a Raw, when Reigns was trying to complain about how he won in Saudi Arabia, but... I think I also think it should have been Braun that took the belt off him. Like, I thought like this, what they should have done is have Braun beat him at No Mercy, Lesnar win it, sit back at the Rumble. So they have the mm-hmm. storyline in between with Braun as champion. And then you still have Roman like, win the chamber, but Braun gets involved and like, I'm still load a rematch. And then you lead to the triple threat, which never, never getting that triple threat match. You know what, Scott? I'll have a word with uh, the booking team uh, for my second job, and I'll uh, I'll see if we can get you uh, a temporal. So it's always more comfortable here from the armchair. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, for me, it only could have been if it wasn't range, it had to be Braun. Yeah. There was nobody else. I don't any, think anyone that bought Rollins doing it. I think because of the whole power thing, nobody that bought it. Hmm. So they needed a powerhouse to put them down. 
you're not doing very good role with the creative team, David, if, fav- if one of your favourites is just split up from another one. No spoiler. Uh, but um, I, as much as I would have loved the whole Rollins thing to have eventually worked out, um, the only other guy could have been Braun. He was, when he was a face, he was red hot. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. they should have probably added him to the match at WrestleMania somehow, given what Braun had to do at WrestleMania. Yeah. Why he wasn't included. I don't know. And he attacked Roman. He said that Rumble and Lesnar pinned Kane because we all knew that's why Kane was in the match, as much as it hurt me. (laughs) He 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 shouted at Lesnar, I'm not done with you. And then he attacks Roman after hit Blamation Chamber. Because that led nowhere, it just made Braun look petty. Mm. Yeah, that that was a bit of a letdown. I think Braun, I agree with you guys. I think Braun Strowman definitely should have had a more impactful role in that feud. You know, he could have made events with alongside Roman and Brock. but moving forward, we're actually going to get the chance to see that because for the second time this year, WWE's going back to Saudi Arabia with the, their new pay-per-view, Crown Jewel. Yeah, just a few weeks after their all-women's pay-per-view, they have their all-men's pay-per-view. <laughs> second all-men's When's pay-per-view. International Men's Day? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so they've got, that's advertised as the main event. It's going to be Roman Reigns defending the title against Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. And they're also advertising the WWE World Cup as well, but we'll save that discussion for the another what? show. Yeah? It's yeah, don't thing. ask. We'll save that discussion for another show. But yeah, Do, is this the match that should have happened? I'm sure we've answered this already, but should this match have been evented WrestleMania or, and or SummerSlam? Yes. Mm, yeah. Yes. Just yeah. yeah. Quacko? Um, pass. No. <laughs> all right. And just a quick predictions, actually, because, you know, we all love predictions here. Uh, who do you think is going to win? Do you think Brock will win it again, or do you think he'll go away after this? I hope not. <laughs> I think Reigns will pin him to end it. Yeah, I, it's see when they announced it was going to be in Saudi Arabia, it just screamed more money for Lesnar. Yeah, yeah. Scott, so, Roman's winning it again. I think Roman's winning it. He's, like you said, it's going to pin Lesnar because oh, he's obviously got the whole thing with Braun and the Dogs of War thing. <laughs> and yeah, I think if Brock goes away and he, if he comes back I think he should just come back for one more match maybe at Mania mm. and then go away see I think in his current contract he was obligated to have one more match but it didn't say where and when we all assumed it would be the Monday after SummerSlam but obviously now it's being advertised as this uh, this crown jewel pay-per-view in, in Saudi so that makes me think you know and there's obviously been rumours that after this he's going to head back to the UFC so I think the next point is, is what after crown jewel what's going to be next for Brock Lesnar do you think he'll have one more WrestleMania match as his sort of big send-off because he's he's 41 years old now. He's starting, I think he's starting to wind down his uh, his career a bit. Um, but uh, one of the questions I want to ask is, where does Paul Heyman go from here? Do you think he'll manage somebody else? Yes. Uh, I hope so. I, yeah, want, yeah. I wanted Paul Heyman to turn on him at SummerSlam and go, as I said in the SummerSlam preview, to go with Reigns and have the offers of pain there. I mean, the offers of pain, I've got yeah. a fantastic manager now in Drake Maverick. Mm-hmm. That came out of left field, that one. But <laughs> and now Leo Rush is managing Bobby Lashley as well. I mean, that's even more yeah. left field. Just every oh, every superstar gets their own cruiserweight. Let's be honest, <laughs> what happened or what was quite funny to and watch. I've watched it years ago. Please, no more spoilers. You'll get Drake Maverick. Bobby Lashley says, Leo Rush, Alex the Bliss gets Buddy Murphy. Dave, Dave, who are you going to manage? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, my counterpart, my alter ego's on Raw now. We'll see how it goes. I might even challenge Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. You do have your rematch with Cedric Alexander. Yeah, that is true. I got screwed over at SummerSlam by a dodgy pin. But regardless. But yeah, we always see Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman as a two-man deal. You know, you can't have one without the other. Obviously, Paul Heyman's had his history with managing other people in the past. He's managed the Dudley Boys. He's managed 
Heidenreich, he's managed oh. CM Punk. Curtis um, Axel. Curtis Axel as well, yeah, that's another one. Cesaro. Cesaro as well, King of Swing gimmick. Um, do you think, um, just quickly, one name that springs to mind, who do you think Paul Heyman may or may not manage in the future? Nathan, I'll start with you. Come back to me later on. All right, Scott. You come back to me after <laughs> Do you think he'll manage Reigns? I think the only way they're all going to save him with the crowd, they're going to turn up heel. And I think... But that means the Shield will have to break up. I, it's, the Shield's not going to be long-term this time, you can kind of tell that, in my opinion anyway. So I think I would love to see it happen at Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. If that's going to be Lesnar's hurrah, last that, screw him over and back Reigns. Mm-hmm. Finn Balor. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, when it comes to the women's round, a lot of people say, immediately say Ron Rousey. I'm going with Charlotte. Charlotte Flair. Heel Charlotte with Paul Heyman as yes, manager. Yes, she needs to be a heel and get booed. We, hashtag we boo the woo. We boo the <laughs> hashtag, woo, yeah. Hashtag get over it. Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, yeah, again, all, all great shouts here. I mean... Jinder Mahal. Quacko, do you have out. <laughs> he has two great managers. Quacko, do you have a name? Like, who do you think Paul Heyman should manage? Probably Braun Strowman. Mm, uh, well, I like to hear all the names around, but I think personally, I think Finn Balor or oh, Kevin Owens. Just shoots it down. Thank no, you. No, I should. I'm saying they're all. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I just thought of something else would be what's great. What's your opinion? No, if they come back, <laughs> Sami Zayn under Paul Heyman. That could be quite intriguing. Yeah. I was tempted to also say what Lord Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I was actually also tempted to say Lars Sullivan when he gets called up because uh, he's got a similar enough yeah. like look to Brock he would need Champa yeah. oh, no. can we can be same with Braun Strowman as well he can kind of generate his own heat as well but people will just choose to cheer for him because they think because he's great he's so, yeah, he's so because, over with the crowd yeah because he does in a funny way <laughs> yeah um, alright just one last question before rounding up will Lesnar after Crown Jewel will Lesnar have one final run yes or no 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 a WrestleMania appearance but no, no big run Quacker. Right. Uh, what Stephen said. So one more WrestleMania match, and then he would yeah. go out with his. Do you think he'll take a loss, or do you think he'll win? Like go out on a high, or just? I think, the one, I think the one match is left for him that we've been talking about for years is Rock. Yeah, it sounds been happening. Rock I would like to see him lose to Lashley. Oh, Lashley, yeah. the new yeah. powerhouse. Imagine if he faced. Imagine if that was the WrestleMania match. I think it'd be a decent match. Yeah, yeah it would well, be good. So that's uh, that's gonna do it for us. You know, will I, um, the, our next appearance? We'll see him. We'll be at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. What happens after then? Only time will tell. But uh, that's been our show on Brock Lesnar. If you enjoyed listening to the show, make sure you're subscribed to all good podcasting sites such as iTunes, Android podcasting sites, and Spotify. Uh, just search for us, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Also, give us a follow on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you've heard, give us a rating. Give us five stars. If you're in Japan, give us seven stars, break the Meltzer system. And if you want to hear more episodes such as this, we've got a massive back catalogue. Kwaku, can you write us again how big it is? No, right, okay. (laughs) It's as big as his cable package. So, for anybody that doesn't know. Get new pattern. (laughs) Get new pattern. All right, but uh, stay tuned for next week as well because Sarah will be taking over hosting duties as she hosts the first, since the first ever, historic... All women's show. Women's Wait. show too. I like to boogaloo. Women's, yeah. 
Women's Go To Electric Boogaloo, that's what we're going to call it. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. And uh, so from us here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat, that's been our Brock Lesnar show. Just a quick thank you to my panel, uh, Nathan. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, good to be back on. The champ is running the camp now. Why? Wanker. <laughs> Scott. Roscoe is better than you, and you know it. Wankers. Wankers. Sorry. Right. Clacker, do us both a favour and turn off the Roscoe pricks mics, would you? Yes. Uh, Alan? Thanks, mate. Yeah. Meryl, we're historic. You rise above hate. Yes, we do. Exactly. Stephen? Some of us are too good for stables. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's because nobody wants you. And of course, to our uh, our MVEP Quacker. Historic. You, you know it. Yeah. All right. So that's been uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I've been your host, David Hockney, and we'll see you next week for the All Women's Show. See you soon. Yo, it's your boy, Suge D. I hear swag surfing in Scotland. And when I'm doing my thing, I like to think I do it in this order. It's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Let me run that back for you. It's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Remember the order. Listen to the show. Now you know. It's Suge D for the 99 2000.